KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Governor Gavin Newsom offered some words of optimism at his press conference Monday as hundreds of fires continue to rip across California. So far, over a million acres have burned. Red flag warnings in parts of the state were called off as winds calmed and the immediate threat of lightning subsided. Crews have made substantial progress in some areas, including wildfires in Monterey, Los Angeles, and Sierra counties. It's testament to the incredible firefighters that are out there on the front lines, the hand crews, uh, and all of the individuals that are responsible for uh, this effort, suppression, and the progress is demonstrable. But he put those victories into perspective. Two of the largest fires in California history continue to spread in Northern California. That's referring to the SCU fire complex near Santa Clara and Alameda counties, which is at 15% containment and has burned 360,000 acres as of late last night. Also, the LNU fire complex in Napa and Sonoma counties has burned more than 351,000 acres. It's at 25% containment. But there's also the CZU complex near Santa Cruz. That's at 13% containment with nearly 78,000 acres burned. To keep up with the latest on the fires across Northern and Southern California, go to kpbs.org and fire.ca.gov. The wait continues for when San Diego County businesses can operate indoors. The governor says guidance for businesses is coming this week. Even though the county has met the state's metrics to reopen, San Diego is still reporting more community outbreaks each week than the county's goal. An outbreak is three or more people sickened who visit a common location but live in different households. San Diego County Public Health Officer Wilma Wooten acknowledged on Monday that the county could be more strict than guidance the state may release, but she didn't commit to that. We know that the state wants to look at a tiered approach of reopening, but we do not have those clear guidelines, so I don't want to speculate. Meanwhile, the county is still on track for schools to get the reopening okay by September 1st, though districts have the final say. The Republican National Convention officially began Monday. After a number of false starts and pandemic resets, convention events will now take place mainly in Washington, D.C. and Charlotte, North Carolina. Ron Nearing is a former chair of the San Diego County and the state Republican Party. He told KPBS the theme of Trump's re-election campaign was blown up by the COVID pandemic and the recession that followed. And therefore, all of the themes which they had been planning to run on, and even the management that had been brought on to to run that campaign, Brad Parscale, all of that had to be changed up. Whereas the Democrats, they've had to change, but they haven't had to change as much because they started as a challenger, they're still the challenger, and it's still a referendum on the incumbent. KPBS will air live coverage of the Republican National Convention on KPBS radio and KPBS television starting at 6 p.m. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Tuesday, August 25th. This is San Diego News Matters from KPBS News. Stay with me for more of the local news you need to start your day.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. San Diego County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher and San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner joined forces on Monday. They're supporting $5.4 million in funding to help the county's homeless and mental health care services. Those services would be offered at two hotels the Housing Commission is trying to buy and convert into housing. Faulkner sees the new housing and health care services as a permanent solution to homelessness in San Diego. San Diego can and will exit this pandemic with fewer individuals on our streets than before. And when the counties vote, they can have the support that will help keep them housed permanently. The Board of Supervisors will meet Tuesday to discuss and approve the county's $6.4 billion budget, including the proposed on-site health care services. U.S. agents at the U.S.-Mexico border are doing things differently in an effort to discourage non-essential crossings. KPBS reporter Tanya Thorne says the new procedures are now costing travelers hours in wait times. Over the weekend, travelers reported waiting up to seven hours while trying to cross into the U.S. through the San Ysidro and Otay ports of entry. The long wait times comes after Customs and Border Protection started new action to discourage non-essential travel to and from Mexico. They say it's to limit the spread of COVID-19. A CBP spokesperson said non-essential travelers can expect longer wait times and secondary inspections. Essential workers like Andres Moreno, who cross regularly, are feeling the pain. I get more tired of waiting in line than what I actually work. I've done like about the same five hours at work and five hours in line. If not extended, border restrictions are expected to last until September 21st. That was KPBS's Tanya Thorne. No prison time for Margaret Hunter. Monday morning, the wife of former Congressman Duncan Hunter was sentenced to eight months home confinement and three years probation for her role in misusing more than $250,000 in campaign funds. KPBS's Matt Hoffman reports. Last year, Margaret Hunter struck a deal with prosecutors to plead guilty and provided key information that ultimately led to her husband's guilty plea. No doubt Ms. Hunter committed very serious crimes, but Miss Hunter's cooperation was extraordinary. Mark Conover with the U.S. Attorney's Office says Mrs. Hunter stole the campaign funds with the encouragement of the former congressman, and turning against him was not easy, putting her against the entire Hunter family and ultimately fracturing her marriage with Duncan. All that factored into the sentencing recommendation, but prosecutors simply say that Margaret took responsibility for her actions, while the former congressman maintained he was a political target. The earliest opportunity that we gave Miss Hunter to plead guilty, she accepted that plea offer pled guilty and cooperated from that point on. For his part, Duncan Hunter received 11 months in prison, but because of coronavirus, doesn't have to surrender until January. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News.
Kindergarten is supposed to be a magical time for children when they get a backpack, a lunchbox, and go off to school like the big kids. But now parents and teachers across the region are staring down the challenge of introducing kids to school without actually having them in a physical classroom. And KPBS reporter Claire Tregesser tells us that is creating inequity from the very start of kids' school careers. Kaden has a different bathing suit than your brother. Maya Ramos and Kaya Kagasan spent the morning throwing water balloons at their older brothers, swimming in Kaya's pool, relaxing in the hot tub, and then climbing out to eat fruit and cookies outside. Yeah, mine are definitely better. <laughs> this is where the new kindergartners at Benchley Weinberger Elementary in the San Carlos neighborhood will have their virtual kindergarten classes. Their moms, Nicole Ramos and Shafana Kagasan, formed a learning pod together and hired a private tutor to help them follow their online lessons. Kagasan says in some ways this will be better than if the kids were in normal kindergarten. And so maybe this is a way for us to be creative and reimagine the whole education process. Um, so I'm excited about that. I feel like that's a rebirth of something. So maybe in all of this there's something good that's coming out of it. A few miles away in North Park, Dania Hernandez is facing a far different reality. Yeah, just to not know what's going to happen. She works full time and her daughter Jasmine will start kindergarten at Jefferson Elementary in North Park. Hernandez's plan is for her mother to stay with Jasmine and help her do her online lessons, but she's worried that won't work out well. If I if I can't come up with a schedule, she's going to sit in front of the computer and probably get behind because she does, she's not going to have that, that support. You know, yeah, my mom will be there, but it's not the same thing as having a professional sit next to her and teach her and, and give her the 101. Even if the computer just goes in a sleep mode, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes. With somebody that doesn't have that experience, they, then it's going to cause frustration, stress. Ramos, whose kids are going to be in the pod with the private tutor, says she's keenly aware of the inequity the pandemic is creating. I think the big challenge that we have in like what role do we play in sort of helping solve inequity is as people who have, you know, resources. Regardless of their status, kindergartners and their families will arguably be impacted more than any other grade by online learning this fall. They have little to no experience in a regular school environment, let alone in a virtual space with the distractions of home. It won't be easy for teachers either. Jana Wilson, who has taught kindergarten for most of her 21-year career in La Mesa, is planning a daily schedule with a live video call from 8 to 9 a.m. where she'll go over the calendar, read a story, and talk about the letter of the day. At the beginning, you know, I think we're being very ambitious and thinking that we're going to be on for an hour. It's going to be a very long time. But at the same time, I think our thought process is if we break up that hour in a way that includes some fun songs or activities or, you know, okay, get up and stretch and jump around. Her plan is to limit the length of the online sessions and mix in old school activities like craft projects that the kids will do offline. She'll also pre-record math and other important lessons. I might be uh, probably overly optimistic, you know, and maybe a little naive as to <laughs> how challenging this really might be. <laughs> but I think, um, you know, that's part of kindergarten too. Like, 
you know, it's always a brand new experience. And so I kind of feel like that for us isn't all that different. You know, there's, you know, I think kindergarten teachers are a special breed in that sense that we always kind of anticipate the crazy and, and the unknown. Still, Wilson acknowledges that parents or another adult are going to need to be with the kindergartners to help them with the crafts and activities, at least for the first six weeks. But of course, that's not an option for many families. One kid obviously didn't have a parent in the room, so the little kid kept going like, here's my dinosaur. <laughs> I want to tell you about my sister. <laughs> And the teacher didn't know how to mute. My daughter had meltdowns. Homaira Yusufi's daughter, Fatima, already started virtual kindergarten in San Marcos. We can, we can address challenges, <laughs> but it's been really bad. Now she's ready to pull her daughter out of school entirely. I'm concerned that, you know, this is going to give her more anxiety about school. Like this, the whole introduction to school is, you know, is kindergarten and and I don't want her to have long-term anxiety about going to school, about, about the whole process. She's toying with the idea of switching to homeschooling or having her daughter skip kindergarten completely. Other parents are also opting out of public school. Syed and Sana Abedin's son, Harris, was finishing at Magic Hours Preschool in Mira Mesa, and they had planned to send him to public school kindergarten this fall. Now, Magic Hours announced it was offering kindergarten. It, it became almost like a no-brainer to us. We really trust them. We know that they maintain good care and cleanliness and hygiene process. Of course, the Abedines were looking forward to eliminating the cost of preschool this year, $310 a week at Magic Hours, but decided it was worth it to pay for another year. They are lacking that social environment where they don't have other kids live to interact with. In the long run, they will miss out. But there could be unintended consequences. If a large number of parents decide not to enroll their kindergartners in public schools, it would cause an enrollment dip and a corresponding drop in state funding to districts. Maureen McGee, a San Diego Unified spokeswoman, says the district won't have final enrollment numbers until October. That was KPBS's Claire Tregesser. Coming up on San Diego News Matters. The only place that I saw people really following the rules was on uh, College Ave at Montezuma where like Broken Yoke and Trader Joe's was. San Diego State University starts its fall semester during a pandemic. We have that story next, just after this break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.
The fall semester started yesterday at San Diego State University. While most classes will be online due to the coronavirus pandemic, about 2,600 students moved into campus housing. As universities across the country are learning, young people socializing on campus is an ideal environment for a highly contagious virus to spread. And warnings often go unheeded. San Diego Union Tribune reporter Gary Robbins sat down with KPBS Midday Edition host Mark Sauer to assess the SCSU situation. Here's that interview. Well, uh, you were on campus over the weekend observing students. What did you see? Were most following social distancing rules and wearing masks? The only place that I saw people really following the rules was on uh, College Ave at Montezuma where like Broken Yoke and Trader Joe's was. Once we got beyond that uh, area, I saw very, very little of it. We were there between 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. Even over on the south side of Preba Student Union on that green, uh, green area, there are a lot of kids sitting in clusters, but virtually none were wearing masks. And people were sitting uh, close, you know, so there wasn't a lot of social distancing going on on a hot summer night. And the university has been clear in instructions to students who are coming onto campus now, right? Uh, what, what the rules should be and what you have to do to stay safe? They have been hyper clear about it. Um, you know, uh, I spoke on Friday to Libby Skiles, who's a director of the Student Health Center, and to Kara Bauer, who is, um, she oversees residential education for the, for the dorms. And they kind of went back and explained all of the things that the university had done and the ways they had communicated, you know, from e uh, through email and videos and how they reached out to parents. So they did a great deal, but I kind of walked away from the evening thinking a couple of things. I wondered how effective the messaging was. You know, the question becomes, how do you connect with an 18 year old who probably has never been away from home, uh, who's been cooped up during the pandemic and suddenly they're on this wondrous campus and their life is kind of beginning. How do you really get their attention? And this will sound maybe peculiar, but I, I think the answer was on television this morning. I saw this ad that everybody sees from Geico commercial where a guy standing in front of a mirror brushing his teeth and someone named DJ Khaled, who's very popular among kids right now, comes in and tells him how to brush his teeth more effectively. And it's sweet and it's funny and it's meant to connect with people on, you know, in their own place. And I wondered why San Diego State and a lot of other universities aren't doing that. They're sending out messages, but are they speaking in the language of 18 and 19 year olds? One basic question, most classes are online. Why did SDSU allow some students to move into campus housing anyway? Well, there are, some, there are several reasons. Um, there is good evidence over time that shows that if students are on a campus around people like themselves, particularly in their freshman and sophomore years, it helps people um, stay in college longer. So, you know, we all remember what it's like. It, uh, the beginning of college can be very difficult. So they're, you know, they do it because it creates a sense of stability and pattern, pattern and routine for students that's very helpful. Um, and a lot of people, you know, Dorms have always been there. And many of these, uh, there are 2,600 students in the dorms, 2,000 are freshmen. Many of them are from outside of San Diego. So it's not like they could commute here to take classes. They need a place to live. And the dorms uh, are a good place to do that. Yeah, and that, as your story noted today, that represents about a third of the students normally housed on campus. Now we've seen COVID-19 outbreaks at college campuses around the country. The student newspaper at Notre Dame published a dramatic editorial about not wanting to write obituaries. How's the return to campus playing out nationally gen in, uh, in general? So what's happening here is what's happening everywhere. This is actually just the latest example of it. I, I saw the stories from the, New the University of North Carolina 
and something uh, provocative that the student newspaper did there to grab people's attention after that happened. Um, I went to Northeastern in Boston. They're really worried. They've been kind of sending, sending out these threatening emails to students who said on social media that they intended to party. Notre Dame had the same problem, North Carolina State. These are good schools, Mark, and these are good kids. Um, but we're dealing with human nature. I mean, all the people listening to your broadcast, many of them went to college. Think back for a moment what that first semester was like and how it would have been difficult to catch your attention with a public service announcement about health. What did the students have to say, the, the ones that you were able to talk to? I had a conversation with Devin Watley. Oh, I think it was, yeah, it was yesterday. And he's on the student newspaper. He's a senior. He's very engaged in the community there. And he came back to this whole thing saying, you know, it's going to take one thing to shut the university down. Right. And one expert you quoted uh, in your story said, well, most students follow the rules in the classroom, not necessarily after 5 p.m. in residence halls and fraternities. Uh, University prepared to take disciplinary action against students. You mentioned that was the case in a university back east. Yeah, you know, I talked to Kara Bauer about that, and she was very clear that the university would take disciplinary action if people did not uh, obey the rules in the dormitories. And she, you know, again, they were they more preferred the uh, soft stick, but the university made a point of saying that. And they also said that all students who went into student housing signed an addendum for COVID nineteen in which they agreed to follow the um, policies of the university on this. So, you know, you're signing a document committing to it. But then in the end, though, Mark, it comes down to a Tuesday night in September when there's an RA trying to take care of this or that. And how do you keep watch over a dorm, you know, that has a lot of students in it? Uh, can you police or parent what's actually going on in the dormitories? So while everybody agreed to everything, how do you police it? That's a big problem. Now, what's the plan at UC San Diego, University of San Diego, other local colleges? So um, over the past week or so, UC San Diego has done a really poor job of communicating not only with the campus, but with the public on this issue. Uh, they have things online, and that's as good as, as far as it goes. But, you know, I've been trying to get some of their health officials to sit down and say, OK, you, you know, everybody's read what happened at UNC and Notre Dame and whatnot. Are you adjusting what you're doing? and learning from what you're doing and how will you apply it. So for example, how will you enforce the wearing of masks in dormitories? Even if you're going into the bathroom indoor, how do you enforce that? And they haven't been willing to answer these basic public questions. It's kind of ironic because they're asking the public for money to fight COVID-19 and to uh, support a public health school, but they won't answer basic, uh, basic health questions. That was Gary Robbins, reporter for the San Diego Union-Tribune, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host, Mark Sauer. San Diego News Matters is a daily morning news podcast powered by all of the reporters, editors, and producers in the KPBS newsroom. Tune in to KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or catch KPBS Evening Edition at 5.30 p.m. on KPBS Television to keep up with the news throughout your day. You can also find us on Twitter at KPBS News or to find our podcast producer, Kinsey Moreland, she's at Kinsey. And as always, you can find more KPBS podcasts like Only Here or Cinema Junkie on our website at kpbs.org slash podcast or wherever it is you get your podcast. Thanks for listening. KPBS On Demand is supported by... 
Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com.